somebody just passed me a note, and I said something really cool that I didn't even think about. That's four generations we just welcomed into our church. That's cool, isn't it? Isn't that a neat thought? That's great. Hey, if you have your uh, message outline, would you take that out? And hopefully you have a Bible or maybe your iPad or your iPhone. I want to invite you to take notes as we study God's Word in the next few minutes. And um, I do want to tell you that this morning I am going to be asking you to write some things down. And so uh, there's a pen located right there in your seat right in front of you, hopefully, and you can grab one of those. I'm going to be asking you to underline some things and circle some things and fill in some blanks. I'm going to be asking you to write down some scriptures that are not going to be on the screen that maybe you can come back to and look at later. But maybe the most important thing that you would write down is nothing that I say, but actually something that God says while I'm sharing God's Word in the next few minutes as we study God's Word together. Maybe you'd write down those little whispers or those leanings that God would lean you towards. Now, I'm going to be talking today about hearing the voice of God. Now, if you're kind of new to Harvest Point, let me tell you something real quickly about us. I'm a series preacher. I love to kind of get in a series and, and study something a little bit deeper week by week and week by week, and it just helps build momentum. But during the summertime, because people vacation and some folks are out of town here and there, I like to do non-series. And so the summertime actually affords me an opportunity to kind of prayerfully pick up the Bible and say, God, what are some subjects you just want to talk to us about as a body that I haven't had a series on? And, and what are some things that you would just really like to speak into, into our lives? And so this week, I want to talk to you about hearing God's voice. Next week, I want to talk to you about the call of God on our lives. And I want you to be thinking about what is God's calling over your life. But first things first today, how do you hear God's voice? Now, before I was ever a pastor in the dark ages ago, I was a youth pastor. I bet you didn't know that. Did you know that? Some of you did. Uh, my first ministry right out of college, I was a youth pastor at a very large church in Atlanta. And one of the things that I learned about teens is they had a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Matter of fact, they've got so many questions, some of those questions will embarrass you. They got those kind of questions, you know. But here's what, what I learned was the number one question, at least when I was a youth pastor, the number one question that teens asked me and they really wanted to know was, how do you hear God's voice? I don't think I hear God's voice the way you, you talk about hearing God's voice. How do you hear God's voice? It almost reminds me of Yvonne who started our day today by saying deaf folks do the same thing. I can't hear. How do you hear God's voice? And so it's a big question. How do you hear God's voice? When I was a young Christian, I picked up the Bible and I started studying these people's lives in the Bible, and I saw something that I thought was interesting. I don't know if you've ever noticed it before. I noticed that there were some people in the Bible that God gave them certain gifts, and sometimes God even asked them what they wanted God to give them. You remember, for example, Solomon. Do you remember that God saying to Solomon, what would you like, Solomon? And Solomon asked for wisdom, and God bestowed on Solomon, one of the wisest persons who's ever lived, wisdom. Maybe you, I studied a guy named Samson in this book, and I thought, man, that's a guy that's gifted with strength, you know? And so I'm going to just confess to you, when I was a young Christian, I began to, it's kind of an immature question, I guess, but I began to ask myself the question, what if God ever looked at me and said, what do you want? What would you like? And I began to ask myself the question, what I would say to God. Would I want Samson's strength? Would I want Solomon's wisdom? What would I want? And can I tell you, as a very young Christian, I don't think I've ever shared this before in any public crowd or even privately, as a very young Christian, I began to pray two prayers that I was asking God for. 
I prayed that God would give me a soft heart and he would give me ears to hear. I remember as a very young Christian, just, that was my prayer over and over again. God, if you're going to give me something, give me a soft heart and give me ears to hear. Can I tell you that um, I've been journeying with Christ for a long time and I think God has blessed me with an ability to hear his voice. That's not to say that I always understand God's voice clearly, and it's not to say that there aren't moments where I'm pushing harder to say, God, I really need you to speak you know, more clearly to me during this time, but it is to say that by and large, I have learned how to find a way to hear God's voice for my life and for my family and for my church and for my friendships, and I've learned uh, uh, some methods and some practices that I want to talk with you today about how to hear God's voice how to know what God's plan is for your life, how to get a word from God. Now, I don't think it's an overreach to make this statement. Nothing is more important in your life than being able to hear the voice of God. I'm going to say that one more time. Nothing is more important in your life than being able to hear the voice of God and distinguish the voice of God as apart from somebody else's voice or Satan's voice or or, or some other voices that are coming into your world, there is nothing more important. I think that is especially true for a young Christian. There's nothing more important than being able to hear the voice of God. So here's the question. Why do so many people, why are they shocked when they hear somebody say, man, God spoke to me, I heard God say this. Why do so many people look at them and go, What? I don't... You mean God still speaks today? You do realize that there are some folks who don't understand that God is still speaking today, right? There are some folks who who wonder, why does it seem like God speaks to everybody else, but God doesn't speak to me very clearly? Has God gotten laryngitis? Has He got a sore throat? Is He not willing to talk to me? There are some folks who are still wondering, does God speak? And here's the good news of the gospel. God is definitely speaking. As a matter of fact, He is more willing to speak than we are willing to listen. And so how do you hear the voice of God and why is it so important? Hey, in your outline there, I just want to suggest right out of the gate three reasons why hearing the voice of God is super, super, super important for your lives. The first one is this. It proves that you are a child of God. When you hear God's voice and you can distinguish God's voice from other voices or from the enemy's voice, it proves you are a child of God. In your margin, in your notes, you might there, you might want to write down John chapter 8. That's that place where Jesus talked about, my sheep will hear my voice. My sheep will know my voice. As a matter of fact, Jesus even said, listen, if you can't understand and distinguish my voice, you're not of my fold. So it proves that you are a child of God. Well, Stephen, why do I struggle so much to hear God's voice then sometimes? You might want to write in the margin of your notes, sometimes hearing God's voice requires tuning in. You ever driven down the road before and had your radio kind of off-channel and it's staticky, you got to tune it in, don't you? You know, we're going to talk today about what it, how do you strategically, how do you practically, how do you implement disciplines in your life to tune God's voice in? Because if you're a child of God, God wants you to be able to hear His voice and to know His voice. Why is it important? First of all, it proves you're a child of God. The second one is, and this is huge to me, hearing the voice of God keeps me from making mistakes. I mean big mistakes. 
sometimes saying the wrong things, sometimes doing the wrong things. I mean, there are, there are, there are career mistakes that you can be saved from. There, there are financial mistakes that you can be saved from. There are mistakes and mistakes and mistakes that you can make. And if you don't hear God's voice, you can walk right into those bear traps and, and get yourself caught. And then the third reason, it proves you're a child of God. It keeps you from making mistakes. And this one's a big one. It is the key. Hearing God's voice is the key to living a productive life. Now, God didn't just put you on the planet here so you could breathe and take up space. God puts you on the planet here to do something, right? You remember Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10? We are God's workmanship created in, in, in advance that God would do his good works through us. God's got good works he planned in advance to do through you. So it is the key to a productive life. Now, what I've learned about hearing from God's voice is hearing from God's voice is about learning some practices to listening and combining that with submission. So for the next few minutes, I'm going I'm to end today by talking about the practices to help you hear God's voice. But I want to start with submission, okay? Because if you're going to hear God's voice, it means, it means opening up yourself to be available to God's voice. And if you're going to live a productive life, submission has something to do with living a productive life. Who's the key example of that? Moses, all right? So I put a scripture in your outline there for Moses. You remember Moses' story, right? Moses, uh, by the way, if you, don't, if, if you have a hard time remembering a little bit about Moses' track record, all you got to do is think 40, 40, 40, all right? 40 years, he was in the, in, the, in the palace of Pharaoh being raised in Egypt. He was learning how to be somebody, right? And then another 40 years, he was nobody. He was out in the desert. Remember after he killed the guy? He was out in the desert, becoming a sheep herder, didn't know who he was. And then the last 40 years of his life, from the time he's 80 on into 120, he's God somebody, right? And he's rescuing the people of Israel from Egypt. Well, 40, 40, and 40. What I want to do is I want to read a scripture about that moment that was very critical at that two-thirds portion of Moses' life when he was 80 years old, and he had a God moment. You remember what happened, right? Burning bush. Remember the story? He saw it. He's out tending his sheep. He goes up on the mountain. There is the, the, the voice of God that says, hey, Moses, stop. Take your sandals off. Holy ground. He comes close to the burning bush. He sees this burning bush. He hears this burning bush. He has a moment with God. And I want to pick up here. What are we talking about? Hearing has something to do with submission. Moses' life would have never become a productive life if he didn't hear from God at the burning bush. Great example of why hearing from God really proves you're a child of God, keeps you from making mistakes and being a nobody to really being God somebody, and it makes you productive. Let's pick up with that scripture right there in Exodus chapter 4. Moses said to God, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. And then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? If you have your pen, you might want to underline that, that question right there. What is in your hand? Can I tell you that's the second most important question you're ever going to answer in your life? You probably didn't even know that. Did you know the second most important question that you'll ever answer in your life is what is in your hand? We'll talk about that in just a minute, but what has God given you and how are you using it? That's the second most important. The, first, the most important question you'll ever answer is what did you do with my son Jesus? That's the most important question you'll ever answer. What did you do with Christ when you heard the message? But the second most important question is what's in your hand? What have I put at your resources and how are you using it? God looks at Moses and he says, what is in your hand? Question mark, right? Read the rest of it with me. A staff. He had a shepherd's staff in his hand. A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, 
throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it, which I would do too. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Real quickly, what in the world is this all about? I think this is, Moses is a classic example of how hearing from God changes everything, all right? So you remember this story. Let's go back through it, because it's a strange story, right? Very strange story. Burning bush, meeting with God. God says, Moses, I've picked you to go and re- I've, I'm hearing my people's cries in Egypt. You're going to go back and rescue them. And Moses is standing there barefooted because he left his sandals behind. Moses is standing there and going, me? Me? What if they don't believe that you're sending me? And then God asks a question. God says, what is in your hand? Moses is standing there with a shepherd's staff. You know, you know what it looks like, right? The little crook of a shepherd's staff. He's standing there with a staff, and he asks the question, what's in it? Moses says, a staff, a staff. This is a staff. God, like, you don't know what it is, but this is a staff, okay? And then God says, throw it on the ground. So Mo- Moses does what God says. He throws the dead stick on the ground. And the thing becomes a snake, right? And the Bible says Moses runs back. You're like, wait, I don't like snakes and spiders. But, uh, you know, there they are. And then God says, listen, I want you to pick it up. So the thing was dead, throw it on the ground. Now it becomes alive, right? And he says, now grab it by the tail. Moses reaches out by faith, grabs the snake by the tail, and it becomes an inanimate object again. It becomes a, a dead thing, a dead stick. And it's a shepherd's staff over Again, what is in your hand? Here, I I don't have these in your notes. You might want to write down a couple of notes here real quickly. Here's just a couple of things we can learn from this story. One of the things I've learned about God is God never does miracles to show off. Have you ever noticed that before? He doesn't want to show off. It's not like God is saying, hey, Moses, I learned a magic trick in the magic shop the other day. Throw that thing down the ground and watch what I can do. You know, poof. That's not the way God works. God never does something to show off. Whenever God does something, he wants to show you something, all right? So that's the first thing you learn out of this little moment. God is teaching. This is a teaching moment. Throw it on the ground. What do we learn? Dead, now surrendered to you, becomes life, becomes living. Pick it back up, take it unto me, becomes dead again, right? Second thing you th- I think you can learn right out of this. Whenever God asks a question, he always knows the answer. Have you ever thought about that? Whenever God asks a question, he already knows the answer. So God asks the question, what's in your hand? He already knows the answer, right? He wants to show Moses something. He wants to teach Moses something. He already, and he, what's, the, what's the deal? He wants to teach Moses so that Moses will know the answer, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff. Three words, write these words down in your margin real quickly. What, what, the, what is, what's up with the staff? The staff is just a symbol. It's a symbol of who Moses is. So write these three words down real quickly. Identity, income, and influence. That shepherd's staff is a symbol of three things in Moses' life. It's a symbol of his identity, it's a symbol of his income, and it's a symbol of his influence, his identity. He had become a nobody. He'd become a shepherd. He wasn't taking care of God's people. He was just wandering out there in the wilderness taking care of sheep. The shepherd's staff in that day was nothing different than, like for Brittany, a stethoscope is, a, is, an, is, is an image or a symbol of a nurse or a doctor's occupation. A stethoscope, I mean, I'm sorry, a, a shepherd's staff was a symbol of the occupation of a shepherd. And there he was, holding his identity in his hand. And God says, throw it on the ground. 
The second thing he's holding in his hand is, is a symbol, symbol of his income. In that day, you, your worth was not found over at BB&T or Delta Community or Hamilton State. Your, work, your worth was out in the field. It was how many animals you owned. Your worth, your, your bank account, your assets were your animals, all right? Read Proverbs if you don't know that. Proverbs says always take account of your animals. What the Proverbs, writer of Proverbs is saying is know where you're at in your balance sheet. Know your finances. And Moses is standing there with a shepherd's staff in his hand, and that is a picture of all that he owns, which is in the field out there. It is his income. However many sheep and cattle he has, that's his income. And what does God say? Throw it on the ground. Throw it on the ground, and I'll do something with it. And look at the last one. It's his identity, it's his income, and it's his influence. That, that little, that little uh, staff on the end of that, that little crook, on, you know what that was used for, right? It was used for pushing sheep, prodding sheep, pulling sheep. That, that thing was his, his influence. And in that moment of his life, in that nobody moment of his life, his influence was over animals. That's what he was doing every day. He was a shepherd taking care of sheep. And God is saying, listen, Moses, I've got a different identity for you. I've got a different plan for your income. I've got a different um, plan for your influence. Throw this thing down before me and watch what I will do. See, the symbolism of the shepherd's staff is huge. God is speaking to Moses, but what God is telling Moses is, listen, I didn't create you just to be a shepherd. I've got a good work for you to do. Now, will you submit it to me? I'm going to say it one more time. Hearing is about some practices. Hearing God's voice is about some practices, but it's also about submission. And what God was teaching Moses in that very practical moment is, listen, you can hold on to that thing, and it's going to stay dead. Or you can throw it down before me, and I can give it life. And I can show you life through it. And then you want to pick it back up again, it's going to become dead again. All right? You get that picture? Cool story. Cool moment. Have you ever noticed that from that moment on in the Bible, the Bible never refers to that rod, to that staff as Moses' shepherd's staff? From that moment, standing there in front of the burning bush, that staff has a name. And Moses carries that staff with him everywhere he goes. And from that moment forward, the Bible always calls that staff, not his shepherd's staff, not, not Moses' staff, it is called the rod of God. He surrendered the staff to God there on that mountain. And it is that staff that he holds up in front of the Red Sea. It is that staff that he touches the water and it turns to blood. It is that staff that the very one he threw down, the one he surrendered before God, the one that God said, let me show you and teach you something here, that he begins to do every good work that he begins to do. He is no longer his shepherd's staff. It's God's staff. And God does his miraculous things through it. Guys, that's what God wants to do in you and me. He wants us to surrender who we are, our identity, our income, our influence to him, and watch what he would do with it. Isn't that a cool thing? All right, so what are we talking about here? A couple of prerequisites to hearing God's voice. See them in your outline? I don't have you. No blanks there. You might want to just put some notes around it. I've noticed this about hearing God's voice. If you're really going to press in and you're going to find an urgency to need God's voice, you have got to believe in your heart of hearts that God cares about the little small things that God cares about the details of your life. Let me say that differently. If you don't think God cares, if you think God's some big you know, clockmaker who wound up, the, wound up the world and then left it to run, and he just, he just went off you know, on vacation somewhere and left this whole thing to come out however it will, if that's your image of God, you will never really have an urgency to seek God's voice because you don't believe he's interested in your life. You don't really believe he's interested in the details of your life. Now, can I talk to every mom and dad in this place for a minute? 
Listen, have you ever been in, the, in a desperate need for a word from God for your children? And you knew that you knew that you knew God cared about the details of every one of your children, of every one of them. And you were crying out to God for a word because you knew God cared about your kids. One of the prerequisites for really having a hunger to get God's voice is you need to believe that God cares about the details of your life. You don't know that? Write down Matthew 10.30, all right? Now, Matthew 10.30. Anybody know what Matthew 10.30 says? That God knows the numbers of hairs on your head. You know that one, right? Now, for some of us, that's more easy than others, right? But, for, but, but most of us, here's the cool thing. Here's, God knows not only how many hairs are on your head. For some of you, he knows what your original hair color was. For, for some of us, he, he actually knows. For all of us, he knows even the hairs we left in the sink. God knows. What's the big point? God knows every detail of our lives. Now, here's the bigger point. Why? Why would God care? And the answer is simply this. Love. He loves you so much, He wants to know everything about you. He loves you so much, He is interested in the details. Love pays attention to details, by the way. And God cares for you, and He loves you. And it's in those moments, listen, when you, when you buy the thing that God's interested in everybody else, but He's not interested in this little thing in my little life right here, don't buy that, don't buy that. Don't even think about letting the enemy sell you that piece of garbage, right? Please understand that God loves you so much that He's interested in every detail of your life. Stephen, even in this, yeah, you name it, He's interested in it. He's interested in the details of your life. Prerequisites here, if you're ever going to get hungry for God's voice, you've got to understand, number one, that, that he's interested in the details of your life. Number two, this is important, that God actually wants to answer our questions. See, some people think that God is a hiding God, like God is playing a little game. Okay, God, God, you don't really want to answer my questions. You, you're playing a little game. You're, you're, you're hiding yourself. You're, you're, you want me to play this hide-and-seek game. Can I just tell you who God is? God is a revealing God. The book of James chapter 1 says this, if you need wisdom, if you need to know something, Here's the deal. Ask God for it, and He will freely tell you. God is not a, a, a game player. He's not, he's not a father, a heavenly father, who is hiding from you. He's not, he's, he wants to answer your questions. So ask Him questions. Come before Him and seek Him out, and know that God wants to answer your questions. So we've talked about surrender. We've talked about some prerequisites that lead us to a place of hearing. For the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about how do you hear, okay? I'm going to get as practical as I know how to get about how to hear God's voice. And listen, listen, if you need a word from God over your family, if you need a word from God over your job or your career path, if you need a word from God over some situation that is causing you heartburn or keeping you awake at night, in the next few minutes, take notes and listen and put these things into practice, and you will hear God's voice. Now, in the Bible, there's lots of models for how people hear God. Lots of different models. And can I tell you, even the way that I hear God is a little different from the way somebody else might hear God? Joe, I didn't tell you I was going to talk about you this morning, but Joe Boswick, dear friend of mine on our core team to help launch this church. And George talked to me one day, and he said, Stephen, I've heard you preach for a long time, and can I tell you that the way you hear from God is a little different from the way I hear from God? And for the next few minutes, Joe just told me about how he hears from God, and it was a little different from the way I heard from God. I thought everybody heard from God just like I... Joe taught me something that day, and I said, you know what? I've never really thought about that. 
We hear from God different ways, through different means. For the next few minutes, I want to teach you some very practical ways that, that can be a, a macro kind of practice and discipline for you to tune in, right? Tune in to hearing God. It may look a little different for you. It may taste a little different. The way you do it might be a little different from somebody else sitting right next to you, but these things matter. Now, we're going to look at a guy named Habakkuk this morning. Hey, would you say that name out loud with me? Habakkuk. Try it one more time. Habakkuk. All right, now, did you know there was a guy named Habakkuk in the Bible? Because I, I, the reason I'm talking about Habakkuk is I, I want you to not be embarrassed one day when you go to heaven, all right? If a guy comes up to you and says, hey, what would you think about my book? You say, I didn't know, who, what's your name? Habakkuk. I never read your book. Who are you? No, no, no. Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets in the Bible, gives us a great example of how to hear God's voice, all right? So I'm going to be reading from Habakkuk chapter 2, just the first two verses, and I want to unpack it because Habakkuk had asked God six questions, and Habakkuk was a prophet. He needed answers for six questions, and now he shows how he got to hear the voice of God. So I'm going to read it all the way through, and then we're going to go back and underline in some circles and stuff, all right? Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, five steps to hearing God's voice. Habakkuk said this, I will climb up in my watchtower and I will wait to see what the Lord will say. Then the Lord gave me this answer. Write down what I reveal to you so that you can read it at a glance. Five steps right out of that scripture. The first one, write this word down. First key to hearing God's voice, withdraw. Withdraw. Habakkuk says right out of the gate, and you might want to even underline these five words, climb up in my watchtower. What he was saying was, I'm going to get away. I'm going to pull away. I'm not going to stay in the same routine I've been doing. I'm not going to stay around people. I'm going to climb up in my watchtower. I'm going to go get alone. I am going to pull away from everybody else, and I am going to get to a place where I don't have the noise, and I don't have the distractions. The distractions. Hey, are you like me? Do you have a lot of distractions? Can I just, uh, I'm going to real quickly give you, ask somebody for some help here real quickly. Um, Dwayne, would you come help me out? See, when I have to hear from God, can I just tell you that I have to find some sacred space, some space that has no noise in it. You seen these before? Anybody ever used these before? You know what these are? All right, good. Throw those in for me, if you will. All right. Oh, you got hearing aids? Oh, I hope this is a joy. I didn't ask you about this ahead of time. I don't normally bring my phone to church, but I did for Dwayne today. You good? All right. When Habakkuk said, I will climb up in my watchtower, what he was basically saying, how are we doing? You okay? All right, good. Just going to leave that right there. You good? Good. Now, Dwayne doesn't know what in the world I'm talking about right now. He doesn't have a clue. And for the next few minutes... He's, he, he's going to be tuned into probably REO Speedwagon, all right? He's living, listening to my old 80s channel. He doesn't know. I got it up on max volume. When I'm done teaching this point, Cindy, will you tell him what I talked about? He's going to sing. He's singing. 
Can I tell you guys, these earbuds, they, they are a classic metaphor for what happens in our life. We get so tuned into other voices, we can't hear God's voice. And right now, that's Dwayne's world. He, doesn't, he can try to read my lips, but he doesn't have a clue what I'm talking about. And see, I think this is what, a metaphor for what happens in our life. Our life, we get stuff happening, pouring into us all the time, and we wear these things. And we tune out the rest of the world because we can't hear anything but that thing. Can I tell you that one of the secrets I've learned to hearing God's voice is I've got to shut out the world and I've got to get really quiet. I've got to climb into my watchtower and I've got, to, I've got to take stuff out of my ears and I've got to get silence. I've got to get quiet. I've got to get away. I can't be in the midst of people. I can't be in the midst of crowds. I can't be in the midst of... Ra- I can't even have the radio playing. I've got to get quiet before God. We'll read scriptures about that in just a minute. But here's what happens, guys. If you stay in this mode right here, if you stay with your earplugs in all the time, guaranteed, (laughs) you will not be able to hear God's voice. Step number one, Habakkuk said, I will climb up to my watchtower. I'm going to get away. I'm going to pull away. I'm going to get away from it all. I'm going to push out the distractions. I'm going to shut out the noise. I'm going to turn the radio off. I am going to get alone with God. The watchtower actually gave perspective. It let him look out. It gave him quiet space. He was all by himself. That's the first step to hearing God's voice. The word was withdrawal. Would you say that word out loud? Withdrawal. If you're going to hear from God's voice, you've got to pull away. Thank you. Would y'all thank Dwayne? How'd you like that? <laughs> See? Oh, okay. He enjoyed it. Step number one is withdrawal. Now write this one down. Step number two, wait. Habakkuk says this, I will climb up in my watchtower, and watch those words, and I will wait. You might want to underline those three words. I will wait. Now here's what I've learned. I'm so busy and I run so hard that when I finally do pull away and I get in my watchtower, and for me that can be uh, what we have, what we call in our house the piano room. I'll go get in the piano room or I'll just go sit by a lake. I will go get in my watchtower. I can be in my office or in my house. It doesn't matter where my watchtower is, but when I finally get away, when I climb up into my watchtower and when it gets really quiet, do you know something that I've realized? It's hard for me to calm down. I go, 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 go. My emotions are still ramped up. My mind's still running. I'm still thinking about, and you know what I got to do? I got to find a way to do the second thing, and that is wait. I got to chill out. I don't know. You can write anything you want. I got to calm down. I got to get quiet before God. You know that passage in the Bible? It says, uh, Psalm 46, David said, be still and know that I'm God. There's something, there's a secret to that. Being still is waiting. Being still. Uh, my version of that, the Stephen Ushry version of that says, sit down, shut up, calm down, okay? Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62 uh, verse 5 says this, my soul waits in silence for my God. That's powerful. My soul waits in silence for my God. So when you're waiting, you're calming. You're making space for yourself and for God. 
You're just getting quiet before God. You're seeking an inner calm. I'm sorry, an intercalm. Inter, an inner calm can bring you to an intercom with God. I'm going to say that again. That's pretty good. An inner calm will give you an intercom with God. Step number one is climb up in your watchtower and separate yourself and shut out the distractions. Step number two is waiting for God, creating a sacred space. Now look at step number three. This is very important. The Word of God. Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. This is where oftentimes people make a mistake. Right here at step number three. They don't understand the power of reading the Word of God. Now let me go back to Habakkuk's words because his words are so important. He says, I will climb up in my watchtower. That's withdrawal. And I will wait. That's waiting and and creating space. And notice those next two words. In my outline, I actually circled them because they're huge. Circle the words, to see what the Lord will say. What? Do you realize how goofy that sounds real quickly? Wouldn't it have made more sense if he would have said, I will climb up in my watchtower and I will wait to listen for what the Lord would say. He doesn't say that. He says, I will climb up in my watchtower and I will wait to, what's the word? To see, to look, to visualize what God would say. Can I just tell you guys, there is so much God has already said in this book. And so if you really want to hear a word from God, can I tell you, I think it's very important that you read God's word in those moments. You're withdrawing, you're waiting, and now you go to God's word and you begin to read God's word. Are you listening? Yeah, you're listening, but you're looking. You're looking. Write this one down. This is, this is worth the price of admission for today, all right? Write this one down. Stop listening for a voice. Start looking for a verse. Write that down. Stop listening for a voice. Start looking for a verse. You know what I've found? I have found that God has spoken to so many people that I will, I will seek out a verse. And it may take me a good little while, but I'll, I'll talk to him and I'll seek his voice right here in this. And, and I'll find a verse that will then open up his voice to me. But I think it calls for looking for a verse. God's will is found in God's Word. So seek, look to God's Word, all right? So what are the first three steps? Withdraw, pull away, all right? Get away from all the distractions. Wait, calm down, chill out, make space for God, get silent before God. Thirdly, go to God's Word. And don't simply sit there and say, okay, you know how many people do this? They say, I'm I'm here, God. Now I'm listening. Speak. You know, you got to write it in the sky. I'm going to listen for, you know, I don't, I don't, I'll just tell you. I have, I have really often found God's voice to be right here. Right here. God's will is found in his word. Now watch what Habakkuk says. He says, I will climb up in my watchtower, that's withdrawal, and I will wait to see what the Lord will say. And then the Lord gave me this answer. Write down what I reveal. Write down, write down, write down. That's step number four. So when God shows you a verse, when God speaks to you through this, you need to write it down. Write it down. Put it down somewhere. Write down the insights that God has given to you. 
Put them on a piece of paper. Put them on your Bible. Put them on a sticky somewhere. Write down what God has shared with you. And then the last one. These two go together. Uh, Habakkuk said, write down what I reveal to you so that you can read it at a glance. Step number five is review God's words to you over time. So write it down, step number four, and then review it over and over again. God said this to me. God showed me this. You have a place where you can write down and you can review God's word that he's been pouring into your life. Now, I want to share one last thing and then I'm going to close. Five steps. Withdraw. Wait. Read God's word. Write down the verse or the thing that you've heard from God. Write it down and then begin to review it over time. Why is that important to write it down, Stephen? Why should I have to write down what God has said? Can I just, that, that's great, God. Thank you for that little time we've had together. I don't need to have a need. Can I tell you one of the reasons you need to write it down and then you need to review it? Because sometimes you think you heard from God and you didn't hear nothing but the burrito from last night, all right? You didn't hear from God at all. You think you heard from God and you wrote it down, but it, hey, let me tell you, I've talked to some crazy people before, came up with some crazy ideas and they thought they heard it from God. Not this church, but I was pastoring a church one time. A guy had 11 children, biological children, and then he cheated in his marriage, had an affair. And I met with the guy and I said, what are you thinking? And he looked at me and he said, I, I, I just slipped up. But then I read the Bible and the Bible said it's okay. And I said, what, what in the Bible said it was okay? He said, I read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> do what? You write it down and you review it and you test it. By the way, write that word down. Write that word test. You test what is the word that you've heard from God. You test it. You want to test it. Test what you've heard from God. I wrote down in my outline here, I wrote down six ways that you can test. You might, if you don't have enough room to write these down, flip over your outline and write on that blank sheet of paper on the back. Six ways you can test what God's word is in your life. And the first one is this. Does, it, does that word that you think you just heard from God, is it in conflict with the Bible? Because if it is, it ain't a word from God, okay? So the first thing is, is it in agreement? Is it complementary to the Bible or is it in conflict? Because if it is, you can throw that out. That was the burrito from last night. That wasn't God's voice, okay? The first step is, is it in agreement with Scripture, with the Bible? The second one, write this one down. Does it make me more like Christ? Is this going to make me more like Christ? This word that I've just heard, is it going to make me more like Christ? Third one is, uh, would my church family confirm this? If I went and shared this with some brothers and sisters, would they, would they look at me and say, I do believe this is a word from God. I do believe this is God. Can, can I just tell you real quickly, you can get a whole bunch of nuts, fruits, and flakes, granola. You can find people in your life to agree with you on pretty much anything. You can do it in your office. You can do it in your work. I think that I'm supposed to do this. And, and people will look at you and they'll be thinking, oh, that sounds stupid. But they'll look at you and go, that sounds good. Go ahead and do that, you know. And they're not helping you at all. Can I just tell you, church, as your pastor, do you know what one of our jobs is? One of our jobs for each other is to tell each other the truth. So when we hear each other and we, we walk with each other, that we would tell each other the truth of what we believe. And one of the third tests for whether you've really heard from God or whether it was just it's off the mark is would your church family confirm it? Would brothers and sisters, godly people in your life come along and confirm that this is a word from God? Here's a, here's a fourth one. Does it match your shape in ministry or your, how you're wired? Does it match who you are? 
Does this word match how you're gifted and how you're shaped, how God made you for ministry? Does it match that? And then a fifth one, is it, is it, con, uh, is it convicting or is it condemning? Is this word that you just got from God convicting or condemning? Because if it's one of those or the other, then you can know it's from God or you can know it's from the enemy. By the way, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, never condemns. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The enemy is the, is the condemning one. So if you heard a word and it's a condemning word, it's not a word from God. But if it's a convicting word, it can be a word definitely from the Holy Spirit. And then the final thing, and this one's a big one, does this word lead me to a place of peace? Do I have a peace about this word that I think I've heard from God? You write it down, and, and Habakkuk said, God said, write it down so you can look at it at a glance and you can remember what I've said to you. This, you review it because you want to be able to test God's word in your life. And so when I was a young Christian, I wonder about you, one of the things I said was, God, give me a soft heart and please give me spiritual ears to hear. I wonder if I was to ask you this morning, what do you need to hear from God about? I wonder, would the kind of tenor of your life right now, would the, would the heart's cry within you be, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I want to hear your word about this. I want to hear your voice. I need to hear a plan. I need your guidance on this. Let me just go back and remind you one more time. God is interested in every detail of your life. He loves you. If you've got questions, if you need his word, his guidance, which I think all of us do, ask him. And the Bible says He will reveal His Word to you. For the next couple of minutes, I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads for a minute. Would you just bow your head and would you give maybe your neighbor sacred space for a minute just to talk with God? And I'm going to pray a closing prayer, but before I do that, I just want to say, our altar is open this morning. And if there's something that is big on your heart, I want to invite you to come to the altar. Come to the altar. Man, if you've been seeking a word from God and you've been not hearing it, come to the altar and ask God for a word this morning. Let me remind you what I shared a few weeks ago. We're going to have elders at the altar every Sunday here that even after the service, they're here to pray with you. They're here to talk with you. So let's pray together. Father, I want to begin our corporate time of prayer today just by confessing that too often we have let the voices of the world and the loud sounds of busyness and of rushing and of hurry in our lives crowd out your voice. Forgive us, O oh God, for all the things we run at and all the things we want to do and for all the ways we kind of fill up our little world with sound. Forgive us, O oh God. Sometimes we have forgotten that the very most important thing we will ever have on this, this planet is the ability to hear your voice, to hear our Abba talk to us, our Daddy guide us. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to be a church filled with people who have soft hearts and who hear you really well. And Lord, in order for that to happen, it means we've got to find times where we just put the world on hold, we put jobs on hold, we put all of the activities on hold 
and we just pull out the earbuds and we get alone. We get by ourselves, find our watchtower, and we, get, we just pull away. And we cry out to hear you, O God, and we make spaces of just waiting where our soul can sit silently before you. Lord, this is so important for the next few minutes. I just want us to create in this very room a place of silence. Father, we hear you calling us closer. Calling us closer. Just saying, if you come closer, you'll be able to hear me. But if you stay farther away, you just can't hear my voice over all the sound. Father, I pray this week for every person in this place and even those who are listening beyond this place that you would, you would help us to be a people who hear you and then turn to your word in those moments of waiting, in those moments of withdrawing. We turn to your word and we look for a verse and you guide us to a place where you want to pour wisdom and understanding. You want to answer our questions. You just want to pour that stuff into our life. Father, I thank you that as a church we get to do this together. We get to hear your voice and run towards you together. And I pray, God, you'd give us the discipline to write it down and to test it and to review it and to come back to it over and over again, God, and to understand that we are only going to grow up so much as we learn to really hear you and to follow you. We are sheep of your pasture. Make us knowledgeable of your voice. I pray that for every mom and dad in this place. I pray that for every grandmother and grandfather. I pray that for young and old. I pray that for the younger disciple who's just coming to the faith, to the person who's been walking with you for decades, Lord. I pray that all of us would be able to hear your voice and hear it very well. Lord, I'm reminded that you are more willing to speak than we are to listen. Help us to surrender like Moses did of our income, of our identity, of our influence and watch how you take our lives and you spring it to life. Do it even this week, God. Do it in our families. Do it in our church. Do it in our businesses. Spring all that we surrender to you to life. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your word that you poured out over us this morning. You're good. And we listen for you. And we follow you. You are our Abba. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Church, can you say amen? Amen. amen. So be it. God bless you. Hey, don't miss next Sunday, all right? It's going to be Burger Fest, but I'm more excited about preaching to you about what God's calling is on your life, all right? So don't miss it next week. See you.